Welcome to Letters to Women. It's a podcast that explores the feminine genius. As you may be able to tell from the title of this podcast, John Paul II's Letter to Women that he penned in 1995 is one of my absolute favorite things that he published in his papacy. But he also wrote another letter that I'd love to dive deeper in with you today in today's episode. It's called A Letter to Artists, and he published it on April 4th of 1999. There is a wealth of quotes that I could pull from this letter, but one of my favorites is this one. All artists experience the unbridgeable gap which lies between the work of their hands and the dazzling perfection of the beauty glimpsed, the splendor which flared for a moment before the eyes of their spirits. For a lot of us, this idea of being an artist, this idea of experiencing and interacting with creativity can cause us to squirm a bit in our seats. There's some of us who struggle to see ourselves as creative and Often, I think there's a lot of shame about creativity in today's world. I graduated with a bachelor's in history where I loved being creative throughout my essays and and being around people who really had appreciation for the arts. And I was constantly told, yeah, that's great that you're creative. That's not going to pay the bills. Or I was told that creating art or being creative is just self-indulgence. Maybe you were told to focus on things that are going to pay the bills or that you weren't creative enough, or maybe you struggle with creativity because someone in your childhood discouraged you from being creative. Maybe a teacher, a loved one mentioned, you're not that great at drawing or writing poetry. You have art scars to heal from. In her book, Daring Greatly, Renee Brown writes, one reason I'm confident that shame exists in schools is because 85% of men and women we interviewed for the shame research could recall a school incident from their childhood that was so shaming that it changed the way they thought about themselves as learners. And what makes that even more haunting is that approximately half of those recollections are around creativity scars. The research participants could point to a specific incident when they were told or shown they were not good writers, they were not good artists, musicians, or dancers, or something creative. So maybe you're listening long after we've graduated from school and you have art scars. And I think that helps explain why shame is so powerful when it comes to creativity or innovation. We have to be able to experience creativity in some shape or form in our life. You're not just called to consume creative works. You're called to be creative and contribute to the beauty that's found in today's world. And that's what I'm really hoping to dive into in this conversation, in this specific letter to women about creativity. We're going to be talking about one specific artist's passion for creativity and her love and attention to details. We're also going to be talking about healing from art scars, rewriting this narrative that art and creativity is just a self-indulgence, but instead looking at it as something that is necessary in our lives. We need room to exist and just play and be creative and Those are qualities of someone who's really living wholeheartedly, as Brene Brown likes to say. So without further ado, let's dive into this conversation about creativity. We are welcoming to Letters to Women, Anna Camacho. She is the designer and creator of Corda Candles. We're going to be talking to her about this beautiful candle company, the inspiration behind that, but also diving into what it means to be creative um, and especially what it means to be creative as a woman exploring the feminine genius. So Anna, welcome to the show. It is so good to have you on. I really appreciate that, Chloe. Thanks so much for 
yeah, just wanting to talk about creativity and how what women kind of bring to the table with that. I'm really excited. Yeah, absolutely. I was sharing with you before we started recording that I had found the candle company that you run just through Instagram, which has been such a blessing of a social media source. Social media gets a bad rap sometimes, but it's just been an introduction to so many incredible people doing really beautiful creative things. But then I found out that you are also a Kansas City creative. It's really neat to see someone who's in the same, the Midwest in that same area and calls Casey home as well. So I'm excited to get to know you better. I love that. I, you know, the Midwest is just so special to me. And yeah, to me, another Midwest girl is kind of like too good to be true. So So we're going to be talking about creativity today. But before we start into that, for those who don't know you who haven't haven't heard of Court of Candles, can you start by sharing a little bit about your story as a Catholic woman? Absolutely. So I was or am a cradle Catholic. I come from a big Catholic family. I'm one of nine. Um, And so the faith was for me, just sort of the air that I breathed. Um, both of my parents had kind of a reversion uh, to the faith when I was young and then uh, just sort of never looked back. And they are just amazing examples to me of the way that the faith in, informs your entire life, everything that you do. Uh, so I went to Catholic grade school and then I was homeschooled all the way through high school went to Benedictine College. I'm really grateful to see my faith grow over the years through different places that I've been, like ways that I've been formed. Uh, It's just really interesting, like the more that you know about the faith, sort of the more you fall in love with it. Just really enjoy that process as an adult uh, and also to meet other, other folks who are just such great examples. That's awesome. I'm, I'm the oldest of eight and I also was a homeschool K through 12. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> so the story sounds very familiar. I know, I know what the seasons yeah. of life look like. Uh, you've recently started this, can- started making candles and Corda candles. Can you tell a little bit about the inspiration behind, behind this creation? I honestly do feel like it's an inspiration in the sense of, you know, it just, was a real gift to me. Um, And I think that, you know, as we talk more about creativity, that will probably come up again. But, you know, I was in jobs where I just sat in front of the computer all day, every day. um, And, you know, just clicked around the screen. And, you know, I was able to be to have my own business doing that. And then later, I worked for a really great Catholic organization. But uh, they're just wasn't any real room for creativity in my last job and I was just really tired of the screen and so for all of these years um about seven years I prayed and prayed and prayed to St. Joseph because I just really wanted to do something that was different um and that looked like something that wasn't you know online wasn't on the screen and I really wanted to work with my hands also and do something creative. And I don't know that I necessarily put it in those terms to myself, but over the years, as I prayed, it sort of became more and more apparent that those were the things I really wanted, to work with my hands and to do something creative. And um, about, let's see, it was eight months ago now, in January of 2019, 
uh, I was in mass and praying again to St. Joseph. But it was it was this really beautiful moment where um, in the in the front of our church, there's a statue of him. So, you know, he's right next to the tabernacle. And um, I was actually praying to him, but just thinking more about his life and and praying in gratitude for him. And then sort of in the next moment, just had this idea of doing candles, connecting them to the saints and like here's the first four like recipes, so to speak, of what the scent profiles would look like. Um, and it just really felt like this amazing gift, again, of just like sort of trusting, you know, this desire that was on my heart to St. Joseph, uh, who himself, you know, worked with his hands, provided for his family through that, um, and just, you know, trusting that he was okay with me <laughs> bringing it up over and over and over again. Um, and then just in this moment of like gratitude to him to receive that idea or to have that inspiration. Um, it just, yeah, it just felt really, really special. And so I have this idea, but I have to tell my husband, you know, and I wasn't sure about that because I'd had, you know, over the years I'd had different ideas about, ways that I could work and you know and they never worked out um you know they weren't financially feasible or my husband Michael was just like you know I don't really see it and um I just because I had sort of already fallen in love with this idea about the candles connected to saints I was just like oh my gosh if I tell him and he says you know it won't be good I'll just be I don't know what I'll do because it just felt so right. Um, and so I waited like all of two hours or something. <laughs> and I was just like, so I had this crazy experience in mass. And, um, he, you know, his immediate response was, that's the coolest thing I've ever heard. And you have to do this, you know. And I was like, you don't understand. I have to like figure out the finances and I have to do all this research. And I've never made candles like this. And, and he was like, no, just do it. Like, what do you need to get started? And um, and that's been a constant for us, like with all of the ups and downs and risks involved and stress and all this stuff of starting a new business. Um, there's still been this real like peace and rest for both of us, um, which is really important to me of like, this is something good to do, period. And it's something that's good for our family. So it is still very new. I just launched about five weeks ago. So yeah, this is brand new. I love how you talk about the importance of getting away from a screen. I also do a lot of work in front of a screen. And it's crazy how after staring at a screen for seven plus hours a day, how doing something with my hands, even if it's laundry, which I despise with every fiber of my being, how it's something, it's not in front of a screen. And so there's such a refreshing aspect of that. All of the things in, that needed to line up for this to come about did, how it's good for you, how it's good for your family, how it's a, just, that's so beautiful to see. Yeah, it's amazing, you know, what you were saying about doing something sort of off screen I do I feel like our lives now the default is to be on screen yep um and so like you said even if you're just doing laundry or or you know walking out to get the mail or something like that there's just a different sort of feeling like there's a different level of sort of 
alertness, I guess. Like, I feel like yeah. when you're in front of a screen, you just, you never know when an email is going to pop up or, and what that email may be, or, you know, all of these stuff that you're just kind of intruding on your, I don't know, awareness or just like your thinking, you know, you can't mm-hmm. simply just like be present in the moment because there's all this stuff that's constantly going on in front of you. Um, and laundry did not yeah it's very different (laughs) (laughs) very predictable I know exactly what went in the what do I know what's going to come out of the dryer no sometimes not but (laughs) 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 yeah that's so true I think we're talking about this idea of creativity as well even seeing you know I think back in high school I loved to read and I still love to read but I see throughout college where this kind of this idea that I had to spend a lot of time in front of a screen, whether it's studying or doing research or writing papers, and then into a career of writing, which is in front of a screen, how even I've seen my my ability to focus, my ability to stay on task, um, to, to just spend time and existing in that present moment, whether it's with a book or in conversation, it takes much more mental effort now than I think it used to. And that's, it's not like I, I am in my fifties, I'm in my twenties and I'm seeing this result on my ability to be present with others. That is just because we live in this constant world of distraction. So I think you're right on, right on the money when you talk about that. Yeah. There's this really, um, interesting book, which I didn't, to be honest, haven't read all the way through, but the author talks about how sort of the most luxurious thing available now is actually attention. Um, because we're just constantly bombarded by mostly companies who are trying so desperately to get our attention. So if you're in the airport or you're in the mall or um, anywhere, you know, there's screens, even if you yourself like are not carrying a screen, um, they're still just like all around you and the volume. And, you know, a lot of it is the news cycle, which is very, very high intensity. And so I've, tried to become to sort of like guard that um I mean my family gives me a really hard time because I don't have a smartphone um and I'm just like I am on the computer enough like I don't need one with me all of the time but I mean you do have to like work very hard like the default is to have that screen around you all the time and so um I really actually love that this is a podcast that it's something that you can turn on and and listen to but you don't have to you know have the screen like right in front of you in order to be able to enjoy it and listen to it you can do it while you're doing laundry it's great (laughs) (laughs) that's what I do with my podcast that's for sure (laughs) I love how you mentioned this this um importance of attention. And I was reading through your website before we have this conversation. And I love how you talk about small batch made by hand, these candles. I love how you say they're tiny batches, but the attention that you put into those and the steps that go through it for for people who are listening, who have never made a candle or who have never seen the process. Can you kind of give us a, a bird's eye view of what that process looks like? And also speak into this your candles are inspired by the saints and the scents that are in those candles are, I love them. So how did the process go of picking the saints, but then also picking the scents that you put in these candles that represent the saints that, that you're honoring? So the process is interesting. Um, <laughs> there's a whole lot of science in candles that I just didn't 
realize sort of what I was getting into. Um, it's it's much closer to baking than cooking in the sense of you know measurements have to be incredibly precise. You know temperature degrees of just you know a few degrees of difference can really impact uh, how the candle burns, how well the scent fills the space. Uh, you know the proportions of the different components of the fragrance, like you know, really impact it. And so I really actually love that um, in terms of the process of just like really diving into all of these different aspects, like all the ingredients and, um, you know, being able to sort of play yeah. in that and, and come up with things and, and like with a particular fragrances for the saints too, like that comes out probably the most. Um, but the process sort of big picture there's actually more than 20 steps like distinct steps that a single candle goes through and you know I actually was really hesitant about saying something like you know handcrafted or made by hand or small batch because those words are just saturated like um I mean you see like Budweiser says like small batch beer and I'm like no Not really. And the I guess the technical definition of small batch beer is like, well, you know, you make less than like 70,000 of them or something. I mean, it's something like absurd. Um, and it's very important to me, you know, that the candles are made by hand, that it's not simply mass produced. Um, but I had to ask myself, like, why does that matter? And why do I care that other people might care about that? And I think it goes, it does go back to the attention that we were talking about. Um, when you make something by hand, like laundry, we keep going back to laundry. I keep going back to laundry, but like that's one of those things that like super predictable, like you said, you know, you can sort of mindlessly fold the shirt and put it in a pile. But with candles, especially because you're working with things that are, you know, 200 degrees, you, you just like, like I said, all the measurements have to be really precise. And so it just takes my entire focus every single step like every single candle and yes like maybe I make six candles at a time and you know it seems like oh that would be so repetitive but it's not because it just like completely takes me in um you know what if I'm measuring the wax so that it's the right proportion to the fragrance you know you have to like watch the scale like every second so that you can like stop at the precise moment when that is correct and then when you're pouring like you can't pour too slow or too fast you don't want to overfill or underfill and um when I'm labeling you know like to make sure they're as straight as possible and and it sounds kind of silly maybe but like every single step takes my full attention and there's just such a like peace and like satisfaction in doing something well and and doing it the way that it should be done you know for the good of the thing that you're creating and and I think that's what really drives me on is um the candle is is something good in itself and and I want to sort of do justice to that and so that means that every single time I do something like it all goes into the final product that's beautiful it's it's like you're honoring the the way the candle is supposed to be made the nature of it and the way that you interact with it 
and are able to be creative with that process honors what it's intended to be. That's beautiful. Yeah, there's this great French uh, saying that I cannot pronounce, but <laughs> I saw it actually in a cooking magazine like years ago, and I ripped it out and I've had it on my wall ever since. And the French saying translated means do it as it should be done. Mm. And that is just really like a driving force for me of like, even if you have done it a hundred times or you're tired or maybe, you know, there's other stuff going on, like this candle, if it's something good, it, it deserves your best. Um, And because I'm making these candles for other people too, um, you know, just knowing that like this will go in someone's home um, or their office yeah. or their friend's home because a lot of people gift the candles and um, that they they trust me to do a good job with something that, that they're purchasing. And that's a really great responsibility. Um, so I'm really, yeah, just really grateful for that too. That's beautiful. I see that even reflected in on your website you talk about in the frequently asked questions section, how can I make sure and ensure that my candle burns well and burns the best? And just your attention to detail there, just not only in the production of these candles and the creativity that goes into getting them into someone's home or into someone's office, but also that it deserves to be done well, even in the the act of burning this candle that you've made. So just the attention to detail is just stunning throughout the whole process. I really appreciate that a lot. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> of course. Talk to me about this name, Corda, for people who C O R D A who are hearing it. What's the the meaning behind that, and why is that selected as the name for these candles? Yeah. So obviously, the name of your company. Some people are like, "Oh, that doesn't matter at all," and other people are like, "No, of course." Like you know, it's it's people judge you like at the first moment, and um, for me. I wanted it to be connected to the fact that the candles are like based on the faith, inspired by the saints. And I wanted it to be something distinct. And I definitely, I did not want candles in the name at all um, because I hope to introduce other things eventually. Corda is actually, there's a part in the mass um, after the liturgy of the word, as we turn to the liturgy of the Eucharist, we all stand up and the priest says, lift up your hearts and lift up your hearts. Mm-hmm. And in the Latin of the mass, it's Sursum Corda, which I actually heard from the first time uh, when, I was, when I was like in high school, my sister and I were obsessed with Sister Act 2. And um, one of the monks tells Whoopi Goldberg, who's pretending to be a nun, he says, serve some corda. And she totally misunderstands him and thinks he said, insert some quarters. There's <laughs> um, just this great, like, you know, kind of side moment. And it just always stuck with me. And um, so the corda part of serve some corda is the word for hearts. And I loved it because it just, it felt really right. Um, and also I make all the candles here in the heartland oh I love that and I think too especially as a woman you know to me the heart is everything I mean it's um it's a real source of strength and courage and you know people say something like you know he has the heart of a lion or um 
you know, but it can also be, you know, again, as a woman, like emotion is really tricky and um, often our heart can sort of be deprecated or not taken as seriously or, oh, that's not rational or that sort of thing. And so I just really love sort of standing up <laughs> for for the emotional yeah. life, for an interior life, like that you do something with heart um, and that that's actually a good thing. You know, that's a real like place of strength to come from. So for me, yeah, just all those things kind of combined made it seem like the name fit really well. Okay. So a lot of listeners are in a busy season of life. Maybe it's college, maybe it's life as a young mom with littles running all over the place, but creativity is something that's important regardless of the stage of life we're in. So how do we prioritize time for a, for creativity, especially when creativity gets a bad rap? You're talking about how heart and emotion gets a bad rap, but creativity also gets a bad rap. You know, oh, that doesn't pay the bills. You know, oh, what are you doing with your time? Like, shouldn't you be doing something productive? I think for me, I've thought a lot about creativity over the last several months and had a conversation recently with another maker who was like, well, you know, I had to make time to do the dishes today when I'd much rather be painting. And I was like, oh, I totally know. I so, so often I have to choose between cooking or creating. And immediately just felt so like convicted and kind of ashamed of what I had said because um, I think for anyone and maybe particularly for women, like we are constantly doing things that are creative and that are creating. and in cooking or doing the dishes or laundry like you're creating space you're creating like a clean space in the kitchen or maybe you're actually creating a meal or with the laundry like you're creating you know a well-kept home we're constantly doing things that give of ourselves to the environment that we're in and so I think that there's even if people feel like oh I'm not creative at all we're actually all doing creative things all of the time. And I think that that's what, for me, it takes a lot of pressure off in a sense because people are like, oh, you're so creative. And I don't feel so creative. Like, um, I think I have a lot of ideas that like don't ever work out, but um, <laughs> like, it's not like, you know, I'm this great artist or, musician you know it's not a fine art what I'm doing um but I do have a lot inside of me that I want to share with other people and you know for anyone who is in whatever kind of season of life or, or stage that you're in like you're called to care for what you have now whether that's you know the food and the dishes or the laundry or whether you know if there's a vocation where you help with ideas at work or you're editing something, I mean, there's just, I feel like if we kind of step back and we look at what we do on a regular basis, it's actually like, Oh yeah, that's creative and that's creative and that's creative. Yeah. And, um, and that's something that's a real gift because I think when you create something like it doesn't exist without you. And I feel very strongly that, who you are as a person like the I mean this again may sound kind of silly but like I fold laundry differently than my husband yeah or I like cook you know differently than someone else and maybe it doesn't always come out right but like part of yourself is in that 
work. And I think if we, as Catholics, if we're gonna say that work matters and that it's signifying, um, which we do, then you know that that the creative process that goes into it isn't this sort of nebulous oh, it's out there somewhere um, and some people can harness it and some people just can't. Like, no, it's actually like our all of our task in the world. I love too how that really gets at the heart of another thing that people can struggle with when it comes to creativity, this idea of comparison. Like, well, if I create something, it doesn't look as good as that person's or it doesn't. Yeah. And to be able to realize that it's, it doesn't look like that person's because you you made it. it part of you is in that. It, it, it can't be that part of you can't be in their creation. I think back to when Blessed Is She came out with the journaling Bible a couple of years ago. Um, and I was so excited for it. I got it. I, and the, my excitement for it was, I can't wait to dig deeper into scripture and to have all this place for me to write my notes on the sides. But then when I when I logged on Instagram the week that it launched, I saw people just beautiful creations with watercolor or calligraphy, none of which are talents that I have, but are talents I love to admire that others have. And for the longest time, I I didn't want to write in this Bible that I had specifically purchased for writing in because I didn't think it was going to look like everyone else's. And then just this realization, you're right. It's not, it's not going to look like everyone else's and that's okay. Um, And just to realize that the depth and breadth of, of the possibilities for being creative. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, with social media, there is, like you're saying, you know, there's such an amazing gift there. You learn about what other people are doing, or you can be very inspired through other people's work. Um, But you do have to be very, like, or I have to be very honest with myself about, like, well, why am I doing something? Why am I posting something? Am I just trying to compete or, like, see, you know, if, to get like affirmation from people um and yeah to sort of look at the way that other people are sort of executing maybe that's the wrong word when we're talking about bible and scripture and stuff (laughs) but um the way that they're like living out their faith isn't gonna look like yours and that doesn't mean that you know our faith is just arbitrary or you know personal in the wrong sense but um, I mean, the reason why these saints are so amazing is because they're all saints. They all got to heaven. They all live holy lives and every single one of them was unique and different. And I mean, Damien and Malachi, Joseph, um, Teresa of Avila, who we you know, celebrated her feast day, uh, you know, all of these amazing like men and women had like personalities and lives and difficulties and and they all made it you know uh, mm-hmm. which is just really really like encouraging um and yeah so to, whenever I feel I I do really really struggle with competitiveness and and jealousy a lot um and so yeah what I I guess what works for me or what's helpful is often just like talking with my husband and being like, Hey, I was thinking about posting this, you know, and, or like, sometimes you, I get this feeling in my gut where I'm like, I know I'm just going to post this because I want people to see how great I am. Or, or I think I want people to like, tell me how great I am. And like, it just feels wrong. And you have to trust that. Like, because if you do hit publish, then you just, 
you know, you know that it's not, it's not coming from the right place, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to have that interior awareness of, of what's the purpose of this? What is the, what's the nature of this inherently, or what am I seeking out of this? And if it doesn't line up well with the values or with conscious, then yeah, to, to be able to say, okay, you know, I'm not going to post this and to have the courage that it takes to say that too. Um, and the self-awareness is such an important key, especially when it comes to even sharing aspects of creativity with other people. Um, yeah, I'd love to hear more about that last part. Yeah, thinking about how I, I have a friend who says every time she posts something to social media, she says, what am I looking for? What am I looking for here? And there have been many blog posts or thoughts that I've had that I've sat on for quite a while until the point has been like, I want to, I want to share. Why do I want to share this? What am I looking for? And then being able to say, you know, I want, I have found healing or joy or hope in this certain aspect of, or what I'm writing about. And I want to share that with others. I'm not sharing this for something that I'm getting from it. I'm wanting to share this because I want to give something to someone. Um, and I want to share this with others instead of I'm, I'm seeking something from this or I feel I feel some sort of emptiness and I need something to fill it. And so mm-hmm. but that takes that takes a lot of time. It's easier to just say publish. I, I want compliments. I want someone to tell me how good I am. I want someone to admire the work that I do. I, I'm seeking praise. But then to be able to have the self-awareness to say, but yeah, have I turned to the Lord for that? Like, where am I in relation with him right now? Am I seeking my belovedness? Henry Nouwen talks about this. Am I seeking my belovedness from something that's, that's going to pass away? Or am I finding that belovedness both in my who I am, but also in what, what I create, that creativity and that aspect of my life? Am I seeking that out in the Lord? Because that's the only, that's the only person who's going to be able to fulfill that. Right. Oh, absolutely. And I think, yeah, if we, I don't know, just maybe this is, I don't know if this would, you know, be helpful to anyone else, but like I have to sort of, especially with Instagram, you know, because it's like, oh, people liked it or commented or whatever. And and you start to judge like, well, this one only got more comments. Like, why wasn't this one like more popular, so to speak? And I feel like every single time I have to tell myself, like, I don't care. Like, the point is not if no one likes it, that's fine. Yes. Like, the point of it is to give a behind the scenes look at the company, like for people to see like this is part of the process and the creativity and like neat things that are happening. But like I can just share that and and people can see it and if they want to interact, that's great. But if not, that's fine too. Yes. Like it's not there, yeah, for other people to like constantly be telling me that I'm doing something good because I just again like have to trust. God yeah. for that like this seems to be where I'm supposed to be now and if he tells me to do something different I'll do something different and if other people tell me to do something different like that's okay but that's not exactly where like that's not where I go for that if that makes sense uh, yes yeah yep that makes total sense I love I've seen a couple of articles floating around about how Instagram's playing with the idea of not being able to see the likes. Oh, interesting. And I love that because I think it really gets to the point of what you like, why am I posting this? Well, because I, because I enjoy it because I want to share this with people because I, I love what I do and, and it, here's an inside peek at it. 
the actual social media platform realizing that this is something that a lot of people are struggling with and to change the entire way about how that social media platform works because of that, that's, I think, really insightful. Yeah, that would be so interesting just to see both how I how that would impact my own. Yeah, you know, like as a looking at other people's accounts, um, and then also how that would impact when you go to publish, like you were saying, like, what would that mean? Because it's yeah, it's just totally different than the way that they're structured right now. People who are creatives who are looking at something that they've created and how people are interacting with it. And then seeing, like we were talking all the way to the beginning, what's the nature of this thing? How can, how can this serve people well? And then to see people who create platforms where creativity is shared to also have that same process. Like, is this really helpful to people's lives? How can we make this more helpful? I think that's just really beautiful to see their awareness of their own, a product of their creativity. And people are so different too. Like I am much more like as an introvert, as someone who's like pretty shy, I really like to just sort of observe what's going on. I like to sort of stay in the background. And so even when I'm on social media, like I may really like something, but it feels like I'm putting myself out there to actually like leave a comment or, you know, click the heart button or whatever. Um, and so those metrics, you know, those measures are not actually accurate. You know, there's lots of people who see what others are doing that may not, you know, respond in the way that Instagram like has told you that you have to respond. Um, so to, yeah, to sort of open that up and just to, to trust that like, I don't know, it's, it really isn't a measure of who you are personally, of course. And it's not a measure necessarily of how good a job you like, how well you're doing the work that you're doing um I mean pe- maybe people just didn't see it or maybe like it actually wasn't that great of a shot and it just didn't resonate and that's okay like there's something in you like maybe it doesn't always translate on the screen you know but um you know if if you wanted to share it then that's good and I don't feel like we have to constantly second guess ourselves about all of that you know that was so real I mean, it still is a, a very live question because scent is so personal. Um, like, you know, a dozen people could smell the yeah. same thing and, you know, it smell very different things. And some people will love it and some people will hate it and some people won't care either way. And so to connect a saint with a particular fragrance and be like, this is it, guys, you know. Um, and for people like... There's some people, you know, who are just kind of like, yeah, the saints are cool. I'm glad we have them. And then there's other people, not that this is better or worse, but there's other people like me who just like, there's just something in you that you just love. You just love this person so much. And and maybe you don't even exactly know why, but um, the saints like really, really matter to you to your faith to your life um and and I get that uh and so to sort of put out something mm-hmm. where I know other people love Pierre Giorgio Frassati or other people love Our Lady of Guadalupe or or St. Augustine and like this is what I think their candle should smell like like these are the scents that I connect with their life um is a real risk in the sense of I'm probably going to disappoint some people, you know, like it's not, 
it's not going to be exactly what they pictured or what they expected. And again, like just how do you do justice to a saint? Like how do you sort of do right by them and not in a way that's like crippling, um, but yeah, to be like really honest with myself about like, am I doing this saint because like, am I doing St. Therese because she's so popular and people will buy her candle? Or am I doing her because, you know, I have this, like, really clear idea of what I think her candle should be like, and I want to share that, and um, she's very special to me, and, you know, it comes from this very natural place as opposed from this, like, commercial calculating place. Um, and that's tricky. Like a lot of people are like, oh, you should do this saint because people would buy it or you should do that saint because whatever. And I'm like, well, I love ideas and I love suggestions, but like it, it does have to like come from me. You know, it, I have to like come by it honestly. And um, to, to be able to say like, yes, this is something that I've done as opposed to something I've copied. I love how this is something that you're still processing through and to what an honor it is for me just to be able to hear that process as you just as you start this five weeks in and to be able to see the beginnings. Yeah. And I would say too, I mean, one of the things I don't talk about very often, both like with people that I know personally or just sort of sharing the story is it's. Like I had my own business before. I thought I knew what I was in for, but I never had to deal with, um, you know, financial risk, basically. Like I have to buy raw materials. I have to have inventory in stock. Um, I need shipping materials. Like, you know, I have to pay for my website every month. And there's just, you know, and there's all, because it is a very creative process, you know, you do get a lot of feedback and how do you like deal with that when it's critical, you know, without taking it personally or how do you sort of look at it from a good place? And there's just, I guess all of that just to say is it's not like, it's very fun to make the candles. I love, I love what I'm doing. I'm so incredibly grateful for it. Um, And I'm so, you know, the fact that it's in stores now and people all over the country have bought it and, you know, just, it's just growing because people also like, it's, it's good, you know, and, and we'll see that, which I love, but like, yeah, there's, if there's a Catholic maker, you know, that whether it's online or in a store or a Catholic bookstore in, in your area or whatever, like there's people behind that and you know the that it's not simply like a joyful life-giving process of like this is so fun I'm making candles all day like um there's a lot of difficulty like there's a lot of risk there's a lot of um self-guessing or doubt or you know but like there's also a real peace and rest in what I'm doing but um yeah just support support other people (laughs) like for listeners who have heard about Corda through this episode and they want to find out more about the candles and and watch the process and things like that, where can they find you online? And then we're local, um, but and you've also mentioned that they're in stores. Where can people find them in stores as well? Yeah, I'd love for people to check out the website. It is cordacandles.com. So it's 
B-O-R-D-A, candles.com. There's lots of great information. Uh, I mean, we didn't even get into the, the ingredients or, um, you know, some of the different fragrance profiles and everything. So that's all online. Um, and then the Instagram link is on there too, which is really fun to look at. Yeah. If you're in the Kansas City area, there's actually four stores um, that carry them, which is Trinity House in Overland Park, Morningstar in Gladstone, Soul Supply in Leavenworth, and I Donnelly in downtown Kansas City. And I actually just uh, today mailed my first um, shipment to the Basilica of the National Shrine of the Immaculate Conception in Washington, D.C. on the campus of CUA. So if you're in the D.C. area or you're traveling through there, um, you know, those those will be in stores probably next week. So or if there's a Catholic store that you want to carry the candles, you know, just reach out because I'm really I think to be able to see and smell a candle in person really helps a lot. So. That's beautiful. Anna, thanks so much for coming on the show and sharing your story. The one question that I ask women at the end of these interviews, this podcast is about exploring the feminine genius. I think you've spoken into it so well with your thoughts on the heart, with your thoughts on creativity, but as a, just a parting, parting thoughts, how do you live out the feminine genius as a woman who's creating the space for creativity in your own life? Gosh, that's such a great question. Um, I, I would say I don't, no, like, I don't know that I, there's some like plan or, or something that I have, but um, just constantly sort of keeping my heart open in prayer or in my work and, and just sort of like constantly entrusting myself to God for his will, both like moment to moment and then sort of life as a whole of, and I think also just trying to like, yeah guard like what is feminine like what makes me who I am in a way that's different you know for for men and not in a like weird possessive or defensive way but just like this is something worth fighting for like it's something worth um you know living out and defending and and sharing with other people that's beautiful. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Thanks again, just for sharing it with us and for sharing your story and listeners. If you're, if you're interested in anything we've talked about, you can find them all in the show note episodes for today. So thanks again, Anna. Yeah. Chloe, it's so great to chat with you. Thanks a lot. Thanks for doing the podcast. I really have enjoyed listening to it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Letters to Women. Uh, I know I had promised you guys a episode on a letter to the woman getting ready to give birth for the first time, and that is coming down the pipes. Life with a baby is crazy. Things have gotten off a little bit, but it is coming. Head over to oldfashionedgirlblog.com. Check out the show notes for today's episode, including a beautiful picture of Anna making Corda candles. Also, a a video about John Paul II's letter to artists that I is so beautiful. You will absolutely love if you have not gotten the chance to dig deep into this letter. This is just a great launching pad to dig deeper. Um, and also some resources that Anna and I mentioned throughout the podcast. You'll find those in the show notes too. If you have a quick minute, rate and review the podcast on iTunes so that other people can find this resource. If you have a suggestion for a woman that you'd love to see on this podcast, shoot me an email, chloe.langer.com. L-A-N-G-R at gmail.com. I love getting to see how beautifully diverse the feminine genius is lived out in the lives of women in their ordinary daily lives. So that is all I have for this week's episode. Until next time, be not afraid.